0: Good afternoon, everybody. This is Greg Lois and I am joined today by the very dapper, uh, the well-dressed Christian Seesaw. Hi, everybody. Good so, to see you again. My partner, I don't think realized that there's a pandemic, and you can dress like a mess. That's uh, the thing. Uh,
1: yeah, but no one ever blamed you for looking good. All right, uh, just, just saying. Just want Christian, to show people the goods. You know, I don't know.
0: Just saying. All right, you do look good. Uh okay. We're talking about the board's latest guidance on Section 32s. Uh, I hope you've been reading along and playing along at home. And if so, I hope that's why you're here today. So we're going to talk about the latest and greatest. And I know they've been working on this onboard limited release thing, uh, but it keeps getting delayed.
1: Right. you got medical provider forms being looked at, looked at. drug formulary issues being pushed back, medical treatment guidelines. Let's do this right Let's now. Let's do this right now. And right. I, think, this I think what's issue going right on now.
0: here is... Uh, the board's getting a lot of pushback from claimants attorneys, screaming and yelling and whining and moaning and stamping their feet, right? And that's why they jumped into this. So what else? that's what's going on here now. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So today we are here to talk to you about uh, the new board uh, guidance, which is that they are going to look at Section 32. So they have, in fact, come up with new paperwork. We've got a file uh, to address this perceived issue that there's some unfair agreements or maybe contracts uh going on outside the workers compensation court that are impacting these settlements and so uh they are now um coming up with new forms because hey they love to come up with forms forms make the world go around i guess at least for the board sure just just more more paper yeah all right so lots of forms uh and we're going to talk today about what we think are going to be the best practices uh, or how to do section 32s stay within the guidelines stay within the rules of ethics And still accomplish your goals, uh, which are generally speaking to resolve as much as you possibly can as quickly as you can in a workers compensation case. Okay, so that's what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, This is completely and totally live. So please type in your questions. There is a form. Uh, in this GoToWebinar session, type in your questions, we can see them pop up, and I will answer as many uh, of your questions as you can. If I can't answer it, Christian's gonna answer. So he's, he's my anchor, anchor. Right? he's he's uh, here to help us today, he's my dial-up friend. Uh, when I have a, a question I can't answer, that's who I go to, so I'm bringing him in on this one. All right, so Section 32s, I love Section 32, right? When I wake up in the morning and put on my lawyer costume, comb my hair, I'm excited about getting 32s for my clients. Uh, they create finality. For my clients They what our clients want
1: they want to close cases and it's one of the most often uh used methods of closing a
0: case yeah, and, and what i love about section 32s is uh generally speaking you can settle the whole case you can settle a part of the Martial, case right. you know you could do indemnity only you could do medical only you, you really disguise the, the limit uh and the board has to approve a section 32 Um, They don't really have any sort of discretion or uh, paternalistic sort of bias that they can put into a 32. They have to approve it. And that's what the section says. It says the board must approve a section 32 unless the following things are violated. And one of them is that the proposed agreement is unfair, unconscionable or improper as a matter of law. Okay, So that's number one, unfair and proper or the proposed agreement is the result of intentional misrepresentation of a material fact, or uh, within 10 days after the settlement being approved, one of the parties comes forward and says, hey, I don't want this settlement. I want to disapprove this settlement. Okay, so that's uh, every every settlement that doesn't fall into one of those three categories must be approved by the board. I want to be careful about the word shall, right? Shall means they have to do it.
1: Right. They don't have the discretion to just say, I don't want to approve this settlement today. Uh, probably because it would it would actually be unfair to the parties if they come together, make an agreement, and then some arbiter decides this is not going to go through. It's the whole purpose of the system to actually come together and create a resolution. So to have it just be
0: disapproved by the board for an unnecessary reason doesn't make sense. Agreed. And, you know, when the legislature changed the law in 1996 to allow for Section 32s, They said the board shall Shall. approve them. If they wanted to give the board a lot of discretion, they should have said may. May. Okay, good. We're in agreement. Okay, that was law school 101. We're back into practical stuff now going on. All right. So what does the worker compensation law say is not allowed in Section 32? And I, I went through the whole worker's compensation law and picked out the parts where you know, if we get into this area, we're going to violate what's going to be allowed under Section 32. So, first of all, we're not allowed to ask for any advance or future waivers. Uh, it's... It, it's. Uh, completely anathema to the workers' compensation law itself to say to someone when they come onto your work site, hey, welcome aboard. Uh, you've got to sign this piece of paper which says you are waiving all of your rights to workers' compensation. So any advance waivers are always going to be uh, disallowed. Uh, that would also include any advanced waiver of uh, future workers' compensation benefits uh, for injuries or accidents which haven't occurred yet. So those are things that are disallowed. Next, any discriminatory practice is not going to be allowed in the Section 32. And you know that could be a uh, prescribed quite wide, uh, uh, widely, and a good example of that would be things saying, um, "Yeah, you were getting $10,000 today in this lump sum dismissal section 32, and you hereby agree not to tell anybody about this settlement, right? Because maybe us as the employer has an interest in this person not coming back to the employment, driving their brand new Cadillac and saying, woohoo, I got this in workers' comp, right? Uh, disallowed. Anything that infringes upon their ability to claim workers' compensation benefits or allow others to claim workers' compensation benefits would be considered discriminatory. Uh, How about anything that clearly violates any of the tenets of the workers' compensation law? Uh, A good example of this would be an employer trying to resolve uh, penalties against the employer or issues that arose during the Workers' Compensation Act, perhaps discriminatory violations of Section 120. In a Section 32 settlement, you can't do it. Uh, You're disallowed. Don't try. Okay. Uh, All of those things are expressly allowed by Section uh, 32 and by the law. Uh, In general, we don't see that really coming up. No, I think they're pretty straightforward,
1: and I think that because they've been in place, clients typically know that we wouldn't put them into those agreements or their own agreements
0: they made without us. Great. Next, Uh, how about things that the common law says? does not work in a section 32. So now I'm really talking about, hey, what are we uh, trying to achieve in this section 32, which is not gonna work, okay? And stuff that's not gonna work, one, outside claims. Those are claims coming in from other jurisdictions. That's, hey, you've got two claims against me, I'm gonna pay you a workers' compensation settlement and you agree to waive this other claim that's pending in there, currently pending claim. Um, We can't settle claims that way. And the reason for that is, the board doesn't have jurisdiction over those claims, they can't waive it in a, in a settlement. It just doesn't work.
1: They wouldn't also be allowed to make any rulings on claims outside their jurisdiction. So it would also makes sense that they can't settle claims. Like For example, a New York law judge can't approve an Ohio settlement order or
0: uh, a dismissal of an Ohio settlement order in lieu of a settlement. Exactly. So they don't have any jurisdiction over it. They really shouldn't be reviewing it, which kind of gets to why they try to do that now. But we'll get so there. It's a
1: good,
0: good little segue there. Okay, good. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah. He doesn't just look good, people. You got it up here. All right. Uh, We already talked about waiver of claims for discriminatory practices. It's not allowed. Uh, There are certain types of civil claims you can't waive, uh, period. Okay. Uh, Exculpatory claims. Now, what is the board saying that we're going to need to submit when we are resolving a section 32? Well, obviously, our section 32 documents, but beginning on December 6, 2021, yeah, we're going to have to disclose any agreement or contract that has been entered into outside of the workers' compensation settlement, uh, but is somehow connected with this settlement, okay? And where we really think this is coming in is this is an attempt to get rid of the general practice that we've been doing since time immemorial. Over my entire career, we've been resolving cases and asking for general releases. We've been resolving cases, and at times, we've been asking for a resignation, right? So we've, we've been doing those things. Um, so, we think that's what this is, uh, 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 the focus is on general waivers. In fact, if you read the board guidance, what they put on their website and what they put out in their um, uh, documents, they focus on general waivers, general waivers, general waivers. They don't really address a lot of other things that go on, for example, a release of resignation or in the OSIP context, where we're putting the money that's moving, perhaps in an owner-controlled insurance program settlement, really not talking about that just yet. So. Uh, we're going to talk a lot today about general waivers uh, and we think that that's where the board is focusing right now all right next um if there is an agreement or contract outside the section 32 the board wants to take a look at it and they say they're going to apply this thing they're calling significant scrutiny uh christian you and i have had a lot of fun just kind of laughing about what that could be i think it's like a way of saying double secret probation
1: right like is this is is this something or is it nothing or is it just like a scare tactic? What what are they exactly going to do, uh, especially in regard to ju- uh, jurisdiction over agreements that they have no control over?
0: Right. Uh, okay. And the last thing is uh, when we submit these Section 32s, uh, we're going to have a new pa- piece of paperwork to file called the Section 32-AF, and that of course is going to be our affirmation that there's no other agreements uh, or. Uh, contracts that have been entered into at the same time as this section 32. All right. So before we get too far in the woods, I just want to remind everyone in regards to general releases, they are not invalid. Okay. That you can still do general releases. They're, they're still permitted. They're not forbidden. They're not prohibited. You're still allowed to get a general release. You just have to disclose it when you're going to do that. So, and I also want to remark a lot of our clients at the time, someone's separation from the employment seems imminent or they're resolving a case or not in the employment anymore. They're trying to resolve as many statutory claims as they can possibly resolve. And of course we know some of them can be waived uh, by way of a general release. Um, so uh, for example, uh, your Title VI, uh, your Title Seven, your ADA claims, your uh, Warren Act claims, uh, anything that could be brought by the employee in a civil court could certainly be waived by way of a general release. The board just wants to know that we're doing it. That's right. the only uh, real thing that's changing. And then, of course, once that waiver is entered into or obtained, it's going to be subjected to this wonderful thing called significant scrutiny.
1: Right. They won't tell you that they're going to reject it. In actuality, the prevailing law is still Section 32, which actually says they have to approve it. So it would almost say that what they're
0: going to scrutinize is whether it's unfair or unconscionable, which we'll right. get into. Which they always had that power to do. All right. Next, resignations, resignations. And a lot of reasons that our clients want a resignation. Um, and some of them are, hey, the person's really been separated from us for years, right? Um, we just want it to be formal, that they're they're really not working here anymore. Uh, sometimes those resignations will say, I agree not to reapply for a position here, like I'm gone. Uh, sometimes they're looking for psychological separation. Um, oftentimes the, the resignation is, uh, you know, being obtained so that the person doesn't come back and have another workers' compensation claim against them. Okay, uh, they can ask for those things. Now, when it comes to resignations, again, not invalid. You can still do this, you just have to disclose you're doing it. And again, the board's significant scrutiny could be whether it's unconscionable, unfair, or, or unjust. So, what does this really mean? It doesn't mean you have to stop this practice or stop doing it. Of course, we're going to give you some practical advice in a minute or two about how we think it should be done going forward. But, you know, the, the resignations that you've already done, they are not all been rendered invalid. They're they're fine. Um, the ones that are, are going through right now and before December 6th, again, not forbidden, still don't have to disclose them. That's okay. The resignation, of course, and all of the ones that we do, we never say it's conditioned on doing this section 32. And that's really what has to be done. And it has to be very clear and obvious that these are voluntary resignations and they're not coerced. Um, I also think we should focus on consideration for the resignation. You know, so many times we handle these cases, and you know, the, the consideration for resignation is zero dollars. Zero dollars, maybe a hundred. Nominal.
1: So, I think the the point here is the value, right? If it's going to be unfair, unconscionable. If you think about a a, a workers' compensation settlement that is very, very uh, expensive to then ask uh, the claimant to resign for zero to a hundred dollars could potentially be unfair. What do we do
0: about that? Well, what do you think? I mean, I think there needs to be some proportionality there. Of how much money is there's moving in consideration for that resignation. I think it would also depend on what, you know, how much was this employee making, right? Like if
1: the person wasn't making that much, maybe a hundred dollars is valid consideration. Uh, for resigning. But then again, what if the employee uh, has long-standing service with the company and doesn't want to? You know, a lot of those cases have different values attached to them that uh, every case shouldn't be the same.
0: All right, you're being a lawyer. I'm going to come right out there and say it. I think uh, the old $0 or $100 resignation unlikely to fly in the future. I think, unless, in, in of course, the person's making really low average weekly wage or they really have already been separated from the employment for two or three years. And we're really just formal, which does happen, you know, which we're just happen. making it clear in everybody's mind. Hey, you're not employed here anymore. Goodbye. In general, I would counsel clients just in general. Um, think about this in terms of weeks, the old hundred dollar settlement uh, or resignation compensation or consideration. I think that's probably a little too low. I think to pass scrutiny, it would probably have to be in the order of weeks and maybe a month, uh, of, of what we'll call severance. We'll call it uh, resignation consideration, We'll call it severance pay. And so judge, they, they, we asked for the resignation, we got it, we paid them the severance. This is, a, this is not a nominal amount. We think that this is constable, it's normal, it happens in every other workplace. So this is what we're gonna do. So again, we can still work around this. Now right now, the board's not talking about resignations. They're not talking about um, that as something that they're diving into. Uh, also interestingly, Uh, They seem to be focusing right now on contracts. I don't see them focusing on other places where we're uh, putting money aside or paying or creating agreements. A great example of that Medicare secondary payer cases where we're funding huge annuities and there's seed money and there's, you know, all sorts of contracts that are going into place with that. And really, those are kind of rubber stamped. It's like, all right, you've got a life insurance company and they've put together the annuity bond, bang, right. goodbye. You know, there's, in those cases, there are hundreds of thousands of dollars moving. N- nothing like what I've seen for waivers, nothing like what I've seen for resignations. And it hasn't really drawn any anybody's ire uh, just yet. So. No significant scrutiny for
1: MSAs funded by annuities.
0: Right, no not, no, no no significant scrutiny. Uh, yeah, I guess. Like,
1: yeah. You, you can't
0: put it past the board. All right. Okay, let's talk about some... Uh, some practical stuff you can take away from this. And we've been thinking about our best practices, and we're going to share them with you. Let's talk about releases first. I think if you've been listening carefully, you understand that the release still valid, you can still do these things, but you're going to need to focus on the voluntariness of this release. I think it's going to have to say, both in the release itself and in the workers' compensation section 32 settlement, uh, very clearly that this is fully voluntary and that the settlement is not contingent or conditioned upon the general release. You may consider adding separate consideration for this release. Really hard to tell how to price that out. Uh, you know, as we could say, hey, your resignation maybe it's worth a month of salary. Really hard to price out what a release is worth because the the claims might be totally invalid. They may be completely frivolous. Right. It's just, this could be just really just being very careful. In which case, I think a very nominal or very small value for the release might be what's secured. Maybe zero is the right amount.
1: You I know? would imagine that most resignation may actually be more valuable than the release itself, because right. if those claims had validity, then I don't know, maybe they'd file them.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Last two points. I've got to add uh, language to the section 32 agreement. We've got to disclose that we're doing this. And of course we have to file that C-32-AF. So we think that that's, Basically the best practices around releases. Obviously, uh, this is a, a moment where you should be conferring with defense counsel and saying, hey, here's what I want to do or here's what we're seeking. We'll try and get this release. We think there's other claims. Uh, I think this is very straightforward in the self-insured context uh, or large deductible context. It's your money. It's your employee. It's that relationship that you have with that employee. I think this is quite straightforward, and you know, I think we're basically going to go forward and do it as we've been doing. it now our position, of course, uh, from best practices, I don't want to submit these releases to the board. I don't really think the board has any business reviewing what someone's putting or not putting in the general release, just like they're not able to approve or disapprove an Ohio settlement. I really don't see what value they bring to saying hey this release is uh, worded a certain way who, who cares
1: it's right? funny because they've actually only dictated the disclosure via the affidavit they're not asking for submission of the, the release or agreed
0: but then how are they going to do the significant scrutiny if they don't actually eventually get that release and go oh this is fair or not right that's good I mean,
1: point. yeah it's true I, I don't see how they're
0: going to get around not adding for it and that's going to be a decision point i think for clients so you'll we'll be able to make this uh, decision we'll say hey do you wanna go forward and litigate this issue or just wanna drop the release and go with the section 32, right? I mean, also that, something that has happened before, right? Mm-hmm. Even
1: before this directive that it's been a point of contention and some clients have told us that they're willing to avoid a, a release or some clients will say that they want it. And that's just gonna be a matter of desire on a particular case.
0: Sure, all right. So that's releases. That's our best practice on that. Here's resignations. And I'm gonna give some just general advice and uh, take with it as you may. For our carrier clients and our insured risk clients, I keep asking the question: Why are you seeking these releases? Uh, I'm sorry, resignations. What benefit are you getting as a carrier uh, or as insured risk to obtain that? Really, my opinion is it goes outside the scope of that contract. It's something outside the policy. There's no uh, workers' compensation policy certainly that would. Uh, stand for the proposition that the carrier should be seeking or obtaining resignations on behalf of the employer. I think that's firmly outside of workers' compensation law. Probably shouldn't be doing it. Uh, Yes, there are sometimes reasons to do it. And again, closely held risk, uh, that captive situation or where really there is a very good understanding of the employment relationship and the risk that's being absolved. I'm okay with that. Then we'll work with you. But in general, I don't see why carriers are are trying to obtain resignations. And in fact, I think it's very, very rare. So uh, for that reason, I just want to say, hey, let's take a stop and take a thought. Why are we doing this? Why why are we seeking this resignation? Next, if you are a self-insured or a high or large deductible uh, client, yeah, um, maybe think about separating them early for any valid business reason. Again, I'm using the words very valid business reason uh, before you reach the settlement context. So. Let's talk just briefly about what we actually mean by that. Okay, big caveat, because we just talked about
1: discrimination in the section 120 uh, provisions. So we wanna make sure that, you know, obviously when we talk about separation, it's for a valid business reason within the context of their employment, right. because uh, you cannot fire someone, you cannot terminate someone or take action against them in retaliation for filing a workers' compensation claim, pursuing a workers' compensation claim things like that, uh, but valid business reasons can stem from anything determining, you know, you know, know, do you need more staff to operate your business? Do you need a, a particular uh, employee at a particular location, maybe a skilled versus an unskilled? Uh, do you need someone with a certification to operate machinery? A lot of these things require you to have certain employees in the fold, and if an employee is out on workers' compensation, it is very valid to have someone else take that place.
0: Right. So. That in itself, the need to fill the position is a valid business reason. Uh, So that's something to be thoughtful. And then when you're thinking about terminations or separations, you know, clients should be mindful, like, hey, there might be a valid reason to separate this person. For example, failing to follow work rules, right? Um, Failing to follow safety instructions, uh, doing activity that maybe they shouldn't have been doing, harming another employee. Yeah, it doesn't bar them from collecting workers' compensation benefits, but it might be grounds for termination. It should be something... That they should consider. Right.
1: Like, uh, did you follow the notice protocol? No, I didn't. I told you in 29 days. So this might be a valid notice for a worker's compensation claim, but I mean, it's an employer protocol.
0: That's right. And so violation of employer work rules could be a valid reason for a separation. Next. Um, we're going to we have to update the language in your resignations. If it doesn't already include this to say this is a voluntary resignation and is not being done in consideration for any settlement in a workers' compensation board. It could still say it's being done for consideration, right? You can still pay someone for their resignation and call that severance, that's okay. Uh, It just can't say, hey, in return for my $38,000 section 32 lump sum dismissal settlement, I hereby resign my employment. So you're laughing, but I wanna be very clear that that the language needs to be updated and aligned with this new guidance so that we're ready for it. Uh, Any of our clients, uh, please just Flip forward your resignations if you want us to look at them. We're very happy to look at that, especially in advance of December sixth. Especially in advance of December sixth. Significant. Okay, right. Thank you All right. significant. All right, and last thing. Of course, we're going to um, add separate consideration for the release. Uh, and I do think the separate consideration should be above and beyond what they're getting paid in the workers' compensation settlement. Please help us avoid that unconscionable uh, position where someone is absolutely getting paid uh, to resign, can't have that, can't do that. Finally, add language to the Section 32 agreement that discloses the fact that the person is resigning and there was consideration paid. We will then prepare the Section 32-AF, which is our affidavit saying, hey, we are doing these things and this is how this person was compensated and now this case is ready to close. All right, that's everything that we want to run through today. I am hoping that by now people have been typing away questions. Uh, if you haven't typed your question, type it in now so that we can respond to it uh, live. We will say your first name. We will read your question so everybody gets the benefit of the question. And then we will come back and, and answer your questions. So, um, no questions or stupid questions. Let's go here. What? What? Like maybe
1: they asked their friends uh, from the noon webinar. I mean, we, we have, did
0: a noon webinar we, on the same topic. We got tons of questions. Right. We, we were doing great. This, this one, I mean, look, I'm not making this up. There's no questions. You know
1: I think maybe it's because the audio sounds great. Maybe it is.
0: Someone want to chime maybe in? Say it is. That Does that the audio sound better than it sounded <laughs> it in? All right. She's nodding at us, so that means we're doing good so far. All right uh i'm just going to imagine that we did a good job so uh great if uh you do have questions or concerns please let us know we're here to help if you want us to look at your current agreements or releases you want us to take a look at your current resignations we're happy to do that and give you some advice uh, about ways they could be improved if they need to be improved all right we'll see everybody next month bye now